Du lyssnar på Framgångspodden i samarbete med Ekost. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Cool fact: A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Det här avsnittet presenteras i samarbete med Framgångsakademin som är Sveriges största tjänst för personlig utveckling och karriär. Och de har nu lanserat Framgångsakademins app där du kan kolla på alla kurser direkt i mobilen vart du än befinner dig. Här har du Sveriges främsta experter samlade på en och samma plats i syfte att utveckla dig. I och med detta har vi tagit fram ett once in a lifetime erbjudande där du får gå utbildningar helt gratis första månaden följt av 80% rabatt som du sedan behåller hur länge du vill. Det är alltså ingen bindningstid eller uppsägningstid. Nu är det enbart 500 stycken som får det här erbjudandet så det är först till kvarn som gäller. Allt handlar om att inte stå stilla på samma ställe utan istället utvecklas. Och vill du vidare i livet så är detta det absolut billigaste och bästa sättet du kan göra det på. Det är ett enkelt sätt att levla upp både din karriär och dig själv. Så vad väntar du på? Gå in på kampanj.framgangsakademin.se och signa upp dig direkt. Alltså kampanj.framgangsakademin.se Welcome ladies and gentlemen. Let me introduce you to maybe one of the biggest podcasts in the world. Framgangspodden. With Alexander Perleros. Hello everyone. Today's guest is the legendary leadership and elite performance expert Robin Sharma. He's widely recognized for his number one selling books and his profound work as a personal optimization coach across the globe. His work with Fortune 100 companies such as Nike and Microsoft and he has worked with billionaires and sports superstars. His insight and knowledge of cultivating inner peace are truly remarkable. Today Robin is here to talk about his book The 5am Club which is all about owning your morning and elevating your life. This is a big big honor for me. Now let's dive into the interview with Robin Sharma. Welcome ladies and gentlemen. Let me introduce you to Fram Gangspotten with Alexander Paleros. Welcome none other than Robin Sharma. It's an honor to have you here. 
Thank you, Alexander. Thanks a lot. Great to be with you. And today we'll be talking about your, your best-selling book, The 5 AM Club, that has helped me uh, a lot as well. But uh, before, uh, with everything that's happening in regards to coronavirus, so what is your notion, Robin, about this crisis? Well, Alexander, I I always believe in the amidst of stormy seas, there there are opportunities to find calm waters. And if you look at the great leaders of humanity, the Nelson Mandela's, the Mother Teresa's, the Rosa Parks, if you look at you know the Martin Luther King Juniors, these these heroes were born not in times of ease. These heroes were born when everything was falling apart. So I would say it's a very sad time. There are our brothers and sisters on the planet are, are dying. Uh, and and many people are terrified, not only of losing their livelihoods, but of losing their 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 lives. And yet, I think the opportunity, and I say this very respectfully and very gently, but the opportunity is for us to look within ourselves and lean into our fears and become more intimate with our fears so that we can release them and find our braver selves. And I think if you have that mindset and heart set that how can I use this time to strengthen me, to become a more noble person, to become a more loving person, to become a braver and more creative person, then we can navigate this tough time and come out of it because this will end and come out of it at a whole new level. But do you have any advice for the the small business owners? I have many friends who are very depressed right now, who are facing difficulties and, and might be on the edge of closing their businesses. What should they do and how should they think? So the the first thing I would say is, you know, there were many businesses launched in the Great Depression. Mm. If you look at the Fender Music Company, if you a lot of the great inventions, you know, Newton's. Um, uh, you know, the, the apple falling and gravity happened during the time of the bubonic plague. And so I'm simply saying that if you can keep asking yourself as a small business owner, what's the opportunity here? Even if you're in a restaurant business, okay, maybe it's I start a delivery service. Maybe I have a, a takeout service. Um, obviously, I would say, first of all, conserve cash as much as possible. Secondly, as a small business owner, if you've got a team, over-communicate. You know, be very candid, but offer them hope. And the third thing is rework the business rather than put, you know, saying I give up and waving the white towel of surrender. Ask yourself, what value can I bring to the marketplace right now that no, none of my industry peers are bringing? And another thing is, you know, um, build even more closeness with your customers right now. You know, talk to them on on the video. Talk platform. to them, call them, call them, send them letters, text them. You know, re build that connection because often in in the sunshine when everything's going great, people are so busy. You know, growing the business, they forget that the very purpose of business is human connections and to add value to human beings. So, look, I I know for small business owners and large business owners, there's a difficult time, but I think. What separates the people who ultimately become legendary is, I'll put it to you this way, Alexander, Winston Churchill said, never waste a good crisis. And, you know, if you look at how he operated in World War II, that's the time that actually made Winston Churchill Winston Churchill. And so he literally went to 
a very strategic thinking, very decisive, and it was, what can we do to win? And as a small business owner, you really have to, I believe, take that kind of a military mindset. We are at war. And so see yourself as a wartime general. And, and you know, marshal your resources, conserve your cash, you know, innovate even more because everyone else is holding back. Everyone else is letting everyone off, you know, uh, uh, letting their teammates off. And so ask yourself, how can I innovate even more? How can I bring even more value to the marketplace? I was talking to someone, they said, you know, Facebook ads are going to be less expensive. This is going to be less expensive. You're going to, right? There are a lot of people looking for looking for a position. So you might even be able to build an even better team. That's, that's a good answer. That's a really good answer. And um, the habits and routines is also very, very important. And if we jump into that, that why is the first hour of the day the most imperative hour of the day? Well, if you look at a lot of the great business people right now, uh, you look at Howard Schultz of Starbucks, if you look at Tim Cook of Apple, or if you look at someone like Michelle Obama, these people are all members of the 5 a.m. club. If you go back in history, you look at the great saints, Look at the great artists. Look at a lot of the great industry titans. These people were all members of the 5 a.m. club. These people all understood that the, the time right around dawn is the quietest time of the day. Now, right now, Alexander, we have new, you know, I, I, I'm saying to people on my Instagram, you, use news as a tool, not as a drug. And... There's just so much distraction, whether it's the news, people are checking the stock markets, people are, mm. you know, staying more close to their family, which is great. But it's really hard to get work done right now. And this is another opportunity for anyone, whether you're a small business owner or an artist, to block out the noise. Of course, be aware of what's going on, but block out the noise so you don't do fake work, you do real work. So that when this ends, whether it's three months, six months, or whatever, you come out and you've written your system, your masterpiece, or you've you've created the piece of code that disrupts the market, or you've you know created more value and new products that allow you to just soar when this all ends. So the time at five to six is the time of greatest quietude. It's the greatest time to nurture yourself which is so important when you go out in the world and i'll simply offer the spartan warriors saying that i talk about in the book which is sweat more in training and you'll bleed less in war and so imagine and what does that mean to you then well it means that every i, lo I love that quote yeah and i think every day is a war you know even if we're not in a in a in a pandemic if you're a business person or a human being and you know, i I don't want to overstate it, but business isn't always easy. As a human being, even, you know, we've got relationships. If you're in a relationship or any relationship as easy times and hard times. Life is, you know, it's like a roller coaster ride. And by taking that first hour in the 5 a.m. club, I call it the victory hour. And doing the 20-20-20 formula that is currently helping millions of people around the world battle-proof their mindset, hearts that help set, and soul set, the four interior empires in the book. Well, you do that from four, from five to six. You, at six o'clock, you have battle-proofed your focus. You have fortified your emotional life. You've upgraded your physical life. 
and you have calibrated your spiritual life. You're you're much you're just a much stronger person. So you go out in your day, and we can get into the neuroscience that I talk about in the book. But you go out in your day, and things that would activate you don't bother you as much, and you're just more anchored and grounded in what you want to stand for in your truest power. Uh, so uh, can you break down the, this practical method? Sure. In 2020. Sure. So the 2020-20 formula. A little bit of backstory for 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 your many viewers and listeners around the world. So University College London says it takes 66 days to wire in a new hub. So we, I think it's important for us all to remember that, because all change is hard at first, messy in the middle, and gorgeous at the end. So a lot of us, when we want to install a new habit, whether it's joining the 5am club or, you know, doing the second wind workout I talked about in the book or whatever habits we want to install, we practice them for a few days and then it's hard. And so we resist it and say, I guess I'm not the kind of person who could live, who could do this habit. We are literally built to adopt and integrate new habits. It's called neuroplasticity, which is the ability of the human brain to adapt and grow into new habits. But we don't stay with the process long enough. So the first thing I'd say is give it 66 days of getting up at 5 a.m. And remember the brain tattoo in the book that it will be hard at first because if it's a, if it's a good change, it's going to be yeah. hard. So it'll be, it is. It'll be hard at first. Then it'll be messy in the middle for about 22 days. There's a model in the book that explains it. It's going to be messy. It's like a renovation. You're tearing down your weaker structures like in a house to build even better ones. And that's what's happening in the world right now. Macro level, we're tearing down the old structures of greed and selfishness and hurting our environment and disrespecting each other. And, you know, many people in business getting as much cash as possible versus giving as much value as possible. So that's all being torn down. Then the final part is, you know, it's it's beautiful at the end. Okay, so now you've, you're in the process of getting up at 5 a.m. What do you do? So let's be very tactical. 2020-20 right. formula, high level for you now. The, there's three pockets. The first 20 minutes is move. The second 20-minute pocket from 5.20 to 5.40 is reflect. And the third pocket is grow. So what do you do in the move pocket? Well, the first thing you want to do after you brush your teeth, et cetera, is you want to sweat. And in other words, you could run on a treadmill, you could skip like the boxers do. You know, I used to love Soul Cycle. Now Soul Cycle's closed for now, but just <laughs> I always do Tabata in what, the morning. What do you do? Tabata training. What I don't know. Tabata, you know, 20, 20 second work. Oh. And then um, rest to 10 second, 20 second, push ups, rest 10 second. I always do squats for 20 seconds and then rest 10 seconds. Uh, and then push-ups for 20 seconds and rest uh, 10 seconds. And then you do it maybe 10 times or 15 times. Yeah, and so that's very interesting. Um, and so so what that kind of thing does or what running on, you know, any kind of sweaty exercise, even just running at home because we're all at home now, you know, or jumping jacks, it'll release sweat. Here's the value of sweating. Your brain will release BDNF, brain-derived neurotrophic factor, which has actually been shown that uh, John Rady at Harvard calls it miracle growth for the brain. BDNF will release um, 
will help brain cells that have been damaged by stress grow and promote neurogenesis, which is actually the growth of new brain cells. Sweating first thing in the morning in those 20 minutes will release dopamine. Dopamine is the inspirational neurotransmitter. How valuable is that? We'll feel strong. Sweating in the morning and exercising for 20 minutes will release serotonin, the feel-good neurotransmitter. It'll release oxytocin, which is the neurochemical that is released when we hug each other, which we can't do anymore. It'll release cortisol, the fear hormone. Okay, I think hopefully I've shared some of the neuroscience of the value of working out for 20 minutes first thing in the morning. Drink water as well. So you hydrate, which boosts metabolic function and release toxins through your body, which also helps inflammation. And I'm not, I'm not an epidemiologist, but Alexander, the people who are beating the coronavirus had a very strong immune system and they had a, it was their infl inflammatory response to the virus that helped them survive. Okay, now the second pocket, five that I talk about in the book, 520 to 540, that's all about uh, reflect. Well, that's another thing that this situation and lockdown has helped us to do. We were busy being busy. We were a culture of cyber zombies. We forgot to even look at each other. We would look at our white screens. We weren't present. Okay, so now the, the second pocket of the 5AM Club method is all about reflection. A lot of people right now are, are facing anxiety. Do you know why? They can't stand being alone with themselves. Blaise Pascal, the French mathematician, said, most of man's miseries derive from his inability to sit quietly in a room with himself. If we've done something wrong to people, we don't want to feel it. So we're out in the world socializing, being busy. If, if we have the pain of potential unexpressed, we don't want to feel it. So we escape through external. Now, now we have to be at home alone. That's the opportunity. So the second part is reflect, pray, meditate, write in a journal, visualize, or simply immerse yourself in silence to hear the silent whispers of your greatest self. But that's also scary. It's many people that doesn't like themselves or feel like when it is quiet and they be by themselves, it's very, very scary. It's terrifying. It's terrifying to, to, to hear the whispers of truth. It's terrifying to hear your wisest self. You know, one of the four interior empires I talk about in the book is soul set. Everyone's talking about mindset. I believe there's four elements to work on. Mindset, which is your psychology. Heart set, which is your emotional life. We have one. Health set, which is your physicality. And soul set, which is your spirituality. We're spiritual beings. And what you're speaking to, Alexander, is very important. I think we have an egoic self and we have a heroic self. The egoic self is the voice of fear and wounding and insecurity. Let me take from the world. Let me get more social media likes. Let me be liked in society. Let me have a big house. Let me have all these material things. And then what happens is we define ourselves by material things. Now we start losing them. And we can't survive. The heroic self is the, the larger part of us that doesn't need anything from the outer world. It, it's being in the world, but not of the world, if that makes sense. 
And so in that reflection pocket, that's 20 minutes in this 5 a.m. method, move, reflect, grow. You've got 20 minutes from 520 to 540 to do those tactics, meditate, pray, sit in silence, journal, affirm, where you get to do the powerful inner work to let go of your ego and reclaim that inner warrior. And then the final part is is uh, from 5.40 to 6 o'clock, and that's grow. And we all know, you know, the billionaires and the titans and the great athletes, they all have one thing in common. They love to grow. So that's where you get to read a book. It's get, You get to watch your podcast. It's where you get to watch a, a TED Talk. It's where you get to listen to an audio book. It's, get to, it's where you can look in your journals and review your high-value targets and your ambitions and I mean, growth is the secret sauce of the greatest performers in the world. Now it's six o'clock. You spent one hour with this structured routine I, I teach in the book. You, you feel fundamentally different. That's great. But um, when I was uh, when I heard about this, I, I had a question, and that's for the people who have maybe tremendous stress and obligations or multiple children to take care of. Uh, what would be your advice for this individual that feel like I don't have the time? I don't have the time to go up five in the morning, or uh, it doesn't work for me. Well, first of all, I would say. I'm sensitive to 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 everyone's um, situation, and we, we all have things. I've got I have two children, uh, you know, I have obligations, etc. And I say this with great respect, but the more we recite our excuses, the more we believe they are true. The more we say, "Well, here's why I can't build a great company. Here's why I can't great get fit." Here's why I can't fall in love with the greatest person. Here's why I can't save my business right now. You know, Ellen Langer at Harvard University, a very eminent psychologist, used this term. She said the psychology of possibility. So we can either be champions of can't or masters of can. And so I would say, There are so there are literal like there's religions that say get up at 4 a.m. to do your prayers. Millions of people on the planet get up at 5 a.m. I'm sure many of them have children have, have obligations, <laughs> right? So, yeah. so if we look for excuses, and, and it's the same thing. Often it's it's we we say, well, you know, I'd like to go on a, I'd like to fast. You know, fasting is very big for me. Uh, I'd like to fast, but I can't. I'd like to to get the promotion, but I can't. And so, you know, I would say let's all shift from victimhood to leadership. And the, even if you have children, uh, unless they're young, and I understand that, but maybe three times a week you do it. There, there's there's always if you are you, you started off your interview asking about small business owners. The best entrepreneurs are, it sounds very simple, but they're solutions focused versus problem oriented. Mm -hmm. And you talk about the rituals, one of them, that fasting, and you have 10 rituals in your book as well. And um, yeah, we can jump into fasting. Can you tell us a little bit uh, more about that? Well, you know, I'm, I'm not a, a medical doctor or anything like that. I just, for, for me, I fast. Like it took me four years to write the 5 a.m. club uh, because I wanted it to be sort of my legacy piece. 
uh, backstory is I've been teaching leadership and personal mastery for 24 years. Uh, you know, I've worked with a lot of the Fortune 500 and I've mentored billionaires and NBA stars, et cetera. And, and I taught him the morning routine I explained in the book. And so I wanted to write a book on the 5 a.m. club. So one of the things I did when I was writing the book is I would fast. I, I wrote the book in Rome and uh, St. Petersburg, Russia, and um, uh, Switzerland and all the, and I get, I have my last meal around nine and then I would get up in the morning and I would drink some good coffee, two cups of coffee, because coffee is a great cognitive enhancer and it's a great antioxidant. And, and I would, uh, I would do my exercise and start writing. And I found that fasting gave me incredible mental clarity, incredible energy. And, um, you know, it even saved money on food <laughs> when you really think about it. And so I, I just, I'm a huge fan of fasting. And from what I've read, when you fast, it puts you into a, I don't, I don't know if you're interested in the science behind it, um, but there's something very powerful. It's called autophagy. And fasting puts you in a state of autophagy, which builds your immune system and it, it manages blood sugar levels. And it's very, very powerful. So, um, yeah, and also less inflammations. Absolutely right. Uh, absolutely right. And again, I'm not giving advice, but I'm fasting a lot through this pandemic. And I just believe and that it's helping me re keep my inflammatory response or inflammation low. And I think that's, you know, it's, um, I think it's something that'll help. All right. And when do you start eating again? And when do you quit eating? Every day. Well, uh, you know, I my last meal is nine o'clock, and then my first meal. Nine o'clock. Yeah, and then my first meal is between four and six, and it took me a while to do it. But you know, there are ten. One of the so the book is a story, as you know, and it's got these characters. It's sort of like the monk who sold his Ferrari in a in a story form. But there's these models, and the model you're speaking of is the ten uh, the ten daily rituals of genius, and I don't get into fasting. I just touch on it. But the 10 models are, you know, one of them is uh, the second wind workout, for example, which is if you believe that exercise in the morning is powerful, then why would you only do exercise once a day? So I recommend the second wind workout, which is when you finish work, you go for a nature walk. Obviously, we need to self-isolate. But in Sweden, you've got, I know you're global, but in Sweden, you've got amazing forests and trails. And what I do is I go for a second wind workout, which increases my energy for the evening. Um, another one of the rituals in that model is the two massage protocol. We can't do it now. I get it. But massage, massage has saved my life. So I'm really an evangelist twice a week, two 90-minute massages. Now, a lot of people will say, I can't afford that. Well, the, the one thing I've learned from the billionaires is they don't focus on cost. They focus on return on investment. Another of the rituals that I talk about out of the 10 is the 60-minute student. Do not go to sleep unless you've spent 60 minutes in, in learning because right, even right now, knowledge is the game changer. Knowledge about what do you eat right now to stay strong. Knowledge about how do you, for the people that are losing their businesses, what do you do? Knowledge about where could this go? Could this be the greater depression? Knowledge, you know, those of us, in the book, I talk about granularity and superficiality. Very important approach to survive right now 
as a human being or a business person. We, we live in the cult of superficiality. Let me go online and look at one article and then make my decision. A business, a lot of business people. Let me look at a, an Instagram post or a quick post. Got it. Here's how I'm going to pivot on my business. When I, when I work with the best of the best, they're granular. You know, um, Charles Darwin spent seven years studying barnacles to form his theory of evolution. You know, uh, Kobe Bryant would study game video obsessively for hour after hour, for year after year, to understand the arc of the ball. So most people, it's like a very superficial approach. I'm saying have a granular approach. So what I'm suggesting is this 60 minutes of learning every day, at a that's just minimum viable learning. It will allow you to have very deep knowledge of where this is all going so you can make the decisions that will allow you to not only survive, but thrive. And when I listen, I, I, I do that on one of the, uh, the days I were listening at one of your episodes in the podcast and you were talking about uh, Nelson Mandela and um, uh, this was a... Um, a very big moment for me because you you talk about forgiveness and after I listened to that one I called the guy that I at that time hate the most he had done so much bad stuff to me so but I also had it uh, the hate as a stone in my heart so but after I I heard this story that you will uh, start talk about now but uh, it's actually it was a it were a game changing were a game changer for me. So can you tell me about the story, the Nelson Mandela part, uh, and what you have learned uh, how to uh, um, how to rule um, forgiveness? What what a great question! You know, um, I once heard someone say, "If we haven't forgiven someone, we're carrying that person." on our back through life. And when we start the process of forgiveness, it's not only a gift we give to the other person because they're hurting too. They you know, they they know they've done something wrong generally. But it's a gift you give yourself. So a, a few years ago, I made a voyage to South Africa. And then Nelson Mandela is a great hero in my life. Um, I think a towering figure of, of leadership and humanity. And I landed in Cape Town and then I eventually took a ferry and I met a guide and it was a cold, wintry South African morning. And the guide showed me the limestone quarry where Nelson Mandela would cut stones and he damaged his lungs because of the dust. And then The guide showed me the showers where Nelson Mandela, as an elderly man, would shower naked while the young guards laughed at him to humiliate him. And then he showed me the place where Nelson Mandela would eat with the other prisoners. And the guide said the food was like dog, dog food, again, just designed to break his spirit. 
And then the guide walked me to the courtyard where Nelson Mandela would exercise, but also tend to his tomato plant and hide his manuscript of a long walk to freedom. And then he walked me up to the fourth window in the courtyard and into Nelson Mandela's room. And I saw nothing, a, a tiny cell and um, not even a bed, Alexander. He slept on the floor. And so he, he was on Robben Island for 18 years, of a total of 27 years of confinement. And he was tortured and humiliated. He said his greatest regret was they would not let him out of the prison to attend the funeral of his eldest son who was killed in a car accident. And yet, when Nelson Mandela was released from prison and South Africa was on the brink of civil war. He reached out to one of the jailers who had kept him in prison. And he said, I'd like you to come to my inauguration as the president of South Africa. And people could not believe. And, and actually, you know, he actually reached out to the prosecutor who, who asked for the death penalty of him. And said, let's have dinner. Said, let's have dinner. And when people asked, why did you do this? He said, because if I didn't, I'd still be in prison. Wow. And, you know, you're right. Forgiveness is a prison. And I've been hurt. I've been betrayed. I've been wronged. Even this morning, you know, in my morning routine, this is why... I really believe the 5 a.m. club method, your morning routine could save your life now. And even when we come out of it, doing the 2020-20 the formula, and not only the mindset work, so many people, everything is mindset. You've probably seen it all over Instagram. Everything is mindset. Well, how could everything be mindset? That's just your psychology. We have hearts. We have hearts. The, the term I introduced in the book, we have heart sex. And then we have bodies, physical eyes health sex. And then we have spiritualized soul sex, which is not religious. It's just the truthful, honorable, loving, creative part of us that so many of us have forgotten. And that's why I think doing this morning routine, doing this work while the rest of the world is asleep, this is how you strengthen yourself. This is how you grow. This is, this is when you forgive. You know, I mean, in, in Indian culture, they have, they have a term uh, and I wish I could remember the term, but I think it's a Sanskrit term. I think it's something like brahmacharya. But it's, it talks about the hours between four and six. And what they say is because of the tides and because of the, the energy in the world, and this is not mystical. This is, you know, like the tides. And we are most available to growing and that's why they say that's why the great sages and saints and monks they meditate between four and six in the morning because their meditations and their prayers and the reading of the scriptures go most deep not at, it's not at two in the afternoon or even 11 o'clock at night those early morning hours are when, where heroes truly are made and um, uh, which time do you go to bed if you go up around five Well, is it nine or ten or? Well, the re from the research, 
they're saying between seven to nine hours is really important, extremely important. So I would recommend between seven to nine hours. For live long or? Yes, co completely right. The number one way to cut your longevity is uh, sleep deprivation. So the 5 a.m. club is not about burning the candle at both ends. There's actually a chapter in the 5 a.m. club called uh, The Essentialness of Sleep, where all the characters are in the catacombs in Rome. And, and your pre-sleep ritual is incredibly important. Last night, I put lavender here, and I have a sleep bomb, and I take a bath, and then I spray lavender on my pillows, and I have some tea. Well, I have a really good ritual, so I sleep very deeply. Uh, but I, I sleep at a, I just, for some reason, I sleep at 11. It just, and, but here's my secret weapon, napping. Okay. Is it once a day or? Yeah. Once a day, once a day, ideally at 4.30, I take a one hour nap and I've I learned it from my dad who was a general practice, a doctor for 54 years and he'd go to work and he'd come home at three o'clock and he had a dinner with the family because we used to finish school at 3.30. And then he would, with his suit on, tie, he was like very old school, uh, you know, suit and tie, he would lay down and sleep for an hour and then go back to work until 10 o'clock. That's great. Pretty pretty interesting. So uh, probably... I, I, also, I also heard that um, it's the same for, you can say, I have a one and a half year old um, uh, boy at home and, and he sleep now once every day but it's also good for the learnings that um, if if you sleep and um, it's it's good for the brain that take in everything and uh, your work it's it can be if, if you do a test in school and uh, on the evening you don't know anything about it but you're you're studying studying and then when you wake up you you don't know what happened but you know everything so it's also good for um, for learnings, to sleep, to take a nap. You know, I, I'd love to look at some of the learning, uh, the, the learning optimization science and research and see how naps fit in, because it's interesting what you said. One thing I do know is a lot, a lot of the great, I think, I think Churchill used to nap. I know for a fact, from my readings, JFK was a napper. And so, you know, more routines are very important. I don't know if you've seen that incredible Gary Oldman performance in uh, the dark. What is it? The, the Darkest Night. Did you see that movie? No, I've not seen it. I think I'm it's not seen uh, it. sorry. The dark. I think it's the Darkest Hour, but it's Darkest Hour. Okay. It's Gary Oldman playing Churchill during World War II, and I think you know it's worth watching again, all of us, because. It, it, it shows how he navigated wartime. And this is wartime. Um, as a matter of fact, I, I, I know you're in Sweden. I, I, I saw this incredible, I don't know if it's still in date, but I'm pretty sure that in 2018, the Swedish government released a little pamphlet called something like what, what happened, what to do in times of crisis or war. Yeah, that's right. That's right. They did that. 2018. Yeah, I think they did it back in the 20s or something. And then they really... Yeah, really, that's right. Right. So I just... What I'm suggesting is that movie and just learning how people operate in war is smart because we are in a war. So all I'm saying is 
routines, not only morning routine, but daily routine. We're all at home. We're all in self-isolation. Your routine will save you. You know, do your morning routine and then do your work routine and then, you know, schedule it right now. So you literally, you're still working and then have your family time. Your kids might be home. Your significant other might be home. Schedule your dinner time or a break time and then schedule your pre-sleep routine. Because I think right now we need structure. And structure is very important to not only being great with your family, but being great with your, your career and great with yourself. And if we talk uh, a little bit uh, about uh, creativity, how can an individual deviate from complacency? Oh, I love creativity. Um, well, the first thing to remember is, you know, Bono was asked about U2. And he said something interesting. He said, YouTube has been on the verge of irrelevance for 25 years. And I, I think what he's saying is, if you fall into complacency and you run your winning formula every day and every year, you're on the path to obsolescence. And so I, one of the things I, I, I realized working with the, you know, mentoring a lot of the most successful business people in the world is these people, well, Andy Grove of Intel said it well. He said only the paranoid survive. And I'm not suggesting paranoia. I'm simply saying you've got to be willing to constantly challenge the things you believe to be true. You've got to be constantly willing, even as a business person or a human being, what is our winning formula And how can we tear it down for the sake of innovation? So creativity is just like right now, while we're alone, creativity screams loudest in solitude. I get my best ideas alone. You know, I mean, I'm here in like this little lab I have where I come to that, you know, it's almost like a ritual where I walk in here and it's like subconscious mind, muse, show up. And so in isolation is actually where creativity comes to life. It's not in, we, we don't get our best ideas at the office or, at, or when we're talking to 20 people. And we could get into the science again. Chick, uh, um, Mihai Csikszentmihalyi wrote a great book 25 years ago called Flow. Now everyone's talking about flow. And flow is when we turn down our prefrontal cortex, the seat of reasoning, Like great ideas never come from logic. They come from that vast reservoir of genius. I talk a lot about it in the 5am club. We all have primal genius. There's even the model. The um, tra- It's called transient hypofrontality. I don't know. I, I'm trying to find it in the book, but it's called transient hypofrontality. We all have this ability. We just, most of us don't know how to use it. And if we got into silence and and ran the right morning routine, we would shut down the prefrontal cortex with the seat of thinking, which would allow us to go into flow state and tap into not only not only um, beta, but alpha and theta state where genius lives. And all I'm saying is creati- it's a great time to be more creative right now. It is. It is. And also um, other part of the like when you talk about this, uh, how to handle haters. And because we all have some of them and uh, get to connect with 
haters and you 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 can hate and and people maybe can hate you and uh, I love that happy people never hate. Uh, you are now winning when you start attracting haters. Can you um, uh, yeah discuss this a little bit? Yeah, I would say haters haters are love teachers in disguise. I mean. I'm not speaking out of school. You talked about the, the, the gentleman that hurt you. Well, here's how I look at it. He came to teach you forgiveness. He's a, he's a love teacher in disguise. I mean, that guy. Is a, he actually teach me uh, with help with you. Well, you're, you're very <laughs> generous. You're, you're very generous. And I've helped, if I've helped, it's an honor, but. You know, the, the trolls and the people who sling arrows at us, we can point a finger at them and make it all about them, or we can look within ourselves. And Alexander, we can say, what old wounds have they activated? I mean, that's a very powerful thing to do right now. A lot of people, you're, they're, they're depressed or they're anxious or they're terrified. But we couldn't feel terrified unless we had pre-existing fear inside of us that the global collapse and the virus has activated. Does, does that make sense? So this is actually a chance for us to say, to, be, to build more intimacy with our heart set wounds and say, oh, when I was four years old, I felt threatened. I felt scared because of this or because, you know, my parents well-intentioned couldn't understand my needs. And this is the healing that is most powerful that really builds heroes. So what I would say about heroes is don't make it about them. Everyone on the planet is doing the best they can based on the consciousness they are at. And if they could have done better, they would have done better. Go Use it as an opportunity and say, what wounds have they activated? And start that healing of feeling the wound to release that wound. And then you'll grow into love. Another thing I would say is, as you become more successful, the haters will come out to play. So you know you're doing well when you're being hated. Third thing I would say, Bob Dylan said, don't criticize what you don't understand. A lot of my message is in your work, release magic to the world. Ever, so many people think about marketing. I'd say spend less time on marketing, spend more time on releasing work that represents magic. That's why I spent four years writing the 5am club. I wanted it to be the single most beautiful, valuable piece of work I've ever done. I was exhausted through it. I, it was a painful, beautiful process. But here's the thing. When you release your art or poetry to the world, the very nature of great art means it's a disruptive act. Look at, look at you know, the Mona Lisa when it first came out. Look at any great app when it first comes out. Look at the internet when it first came out. Look at any real innovation is called crazy before it's revered. So all I'm trying to say is when you are, are putting your best out into the world, it's a very terrifying act. 
if you're doing if you're doing what everyone else is doing, it's it's not terrifying. If you put out, you know, even as as someone who said, right, oh, the world isn't flat, guys, it's round. Oh, the the germ theory like leeches, that's not how you cure it. You know, these are viruses, pretty apt right now. So let's come up with antibiotics and whatever. Those people were called crazy. Some of them were were fired from the university for coming up with those radical ideas that we now revere. So if you're a revolutionary, if you're a real artist, if you're a real innovator, if you're a visionary, you will be hated until you are revered. You know, Van Gogh, he only, I think he sold two paintings in his lifetime. He died dirt poor. He was hated, called crazy. Now, how much? Now, now, what do people say about Van Gogh? And um, which part of your life have have you felt that you have been most hated or had problem with this? That it had taken so much time from you. Mm. I think neurobiologically we are tribal, and we we we're we're herd creatures. And if we would stray from the herd thousands of years ago, we would be eaten by saber-toothed tigers or die of starvation. So now here we are in the modern world and we are addicted to social media because we want to be liked by the world. But to speak to your point directly, I think the thing, one of the things that I've, I don't want to use the word struggle because we amplify what we speak about. But one of the things I spent a lot of my healing time on is to get to a place of not really caring about what other people think. And I don't mean that in a disrespectful way. Um, one thing I've learned mentoring so many billionaires is they, they don't really care what anyone else thinks and it's really helped them in business. Um, so I've tried to do my best to, you know, obviously be respectful to people, but If someone doesn't understand my work and what I'm trying to do, if someone doesn't understand why I get up at four or five in the morning or why I do all the methodologies and routines I do, like nature walks every day and quiet time and journaling, and I, I don't run my life like a lot of people. I now am very strong in my own skin. And as long as it feels right to me, and when my head hits the pillow every night, I'm, my conscience is clear, then it's okay. And as long as I'm not hurting anyone, it's okay. Because I think ultimate success is being comfortable in your own skin, not having a lot of money or a lot, or a lot of fame and fortune. And that's uh, also very uh, interesting. Um, if we jump into, if we talk about Mother Teresa, that uh, also I know that, um, It's yeah, it's a legendary leaders of our history, Mother Teresa. What did she teach you about the materialistic items? Ah, that, that's a beautiful question. Um, about ten years ago, I stood in Mother Teresa's uh, uh, bedroom or her in um, in Kolkata, then Calcutta, in um, her her mission, and they escorted me into a room and it was it wasn't all that different from Nelson Mandela's now obviously there weren't prison bars but 
there was just a desk and a bed. Now, Nelson Mandela didn't have the bed, but that's all it was. So what Mother Teresa taught me about materialism is the same thing Nelson Mandela taught me about materialism and the same thing Gandhi taught me about materialism. You know, Gandhi died with under 10 possessions, yet he was one of the greatest humans on the planet. And so I, I, think, I think, again, this time in the world is teaching us be in the world, but not of the world. If we, for those of us who have identified, like for those of us who are our identity and joy, in the book I talk about joy, peace, and freedom. And there's that model, joy is a GPS. And, and what I say is, the things that bring you joy are where you're meant to be. Follow your joy. That's your, that's your higher wisdom. That's your soul set saying, Alexander, that friend or that project, that place is where you're meant to be versus what your reasoning mind says. So what I'm saying is, for those of us who have derived our joy from externals, money, houses, acclaim, fame, fortune, our axis of power has now been destroyed as those things fall apart. For those of us, I'm not saying, you know, I know everything. I'm not saying it's me. I'm saying for those people who have been on the path of personal mastery, self-leadership, what I call mindset, heart set, health set, soul set work, the four interior empires. For those of us who have been meditating, exercising, writing in a journal, working with therapists, praying, all that excavation as dangerous, messy, confusing as it is. It's suffering, releasing your pain and your wounds to forgive and love and be creative. For those of us, it's a little, it's a lot easier because, you know, we've gotten to a place where if we lose it all, we say, hey, that was a pretty great ride, but it just doesn't matter. You know, I love reading the meditations of Marcus Aurelius. I, I love it because he was a Roman emperor who talked about the shortness of life. And there's, there's, I wish I had the book here, I'd read it, but it's basically, you know, life is just this flowing water. Fame is soon oblivion. Alexander and his mule driver both ended up in the, Alexander the Great and his mule driver both ended up at the same place. Let's not take it too seriously. Now it's time for Train Sister Fregor. And uh, I want to jump into the to the last question. And and uh, the first one is best advice you have ever received. I would say three pieces. Number one, my mentor when I was 21 said, run your own race. Stay in your own lane. Don't worry about how other people are living. Don't fall into the comparison trap. Eleanor Roosevelt said, comparison is the thief of joy. Second piece of advice is, is get up early. You know, just the way you start your day determines the way you live your day. 
A lot of people say if I when I do that, we get more done by 10 than most people get done in, in a few days. But it's so important because your outer life reflects your inner life. And if you can spend an hour while everyone else is asleep when it's quiet to do that inner work, your outer life, your outer life will grow. And then the third piece of advice came to my, from my dad. And he used to quote uh, the Bengali poet Rabindranath Tagore. And he would, he would say, Robin, when you were born, you cried while the world rejoiced. He said, son, when you live your life in such a way that when you die, the world cries while you rejoice. And so that piece of, it, that piece of advice is basically life is short. We're all going to be dust. Serve as many people as possible. So your life had some real meaning to it. Yeah, and we jump into the next one. And you have become one of the most widely read authors alive today. How do you want to be remembered, Robin? Uh, you know, I I used to talk a lot about legacy. I even wrote a book called "Who Will Cry When You Die." Uh, I honestly think legacy is an ego pursuit. Having my name on a You know, like some people, like having the name on a hospital wing or this. I'm not judging. I'm just saying what's right for me. To me, that's it doesn't work for me anymore because I don't care about how I'm going to be remembered. Like the great kings and queens of history, we don't remember most of them. I, I, I no, just, we don't. I, I don't care. I don't care how I'm going to be remembered, and and I won't be remembered if if I my children. If they remember me as a loving, supportive, uh, amazing father, that would mean a lot to me. But aside from that, I don't really care if people remember me because I know I'll be forgotten. And in the, you know, how long has the galaxy been around? We're all insignificant. Hmm. And what is your why? Service. You know, when I was, um, I asked the guide who walked me around Nelson Mandela's cell and gave me the tour. I said, uh, did you know Nelson, Nelson Mandela? And he said, um, yes, I served with him. I mean, it was amazing. He goes, I, he goes, I was a former ANC prisoner. And he said, I served with him for seven years on Robben Island. So the obvious question is, So I, I said, what was he like? And Alexander, here's what he said. He said, oh, that man was a humble servant. You must tell me, Robin, the story that I also heard is in one of your podcasts that I thought that this is this is amazing. And it were, if I remember right, you were out for a walk in the woods And you uh, met a guy or saw a couple, and you start to talk about uh, talk with them. And uh, uh, one of them said that uh, I want to be that guy that you only meet once in a lifetime. Can you tell me about this story? Because I this this was also a, a game changer for for my life. It was so big. Well, there's a philosophy that I share, which is leave people better than you found them. And, you know, that meeting was just someone who got what it was all about, you know, and I find I meet the most interesting thing, p 
people when I walk in the woods. Now, unfortunately, even in the forest, people don't look at you anymore because of the social. It's it's an interesting dynamic, you know. People will no longer, even if it's just you and another human being, in the forest. And I know it's from fear, but usually, I mean, this is all going to end, and the world is going to be better, and we're going to be stronger and more loving. But, you know, I used to meet someone in the woods and we just talk. And it was basically, you know, I want to be that person that, you know, you'll 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 meet once in a lifetime. You'll you'll never forget. And I think I mean, I think that speaks to a lot of really good things, which is even right now, and I'd say especially right now, you're right. I mean, a lot of people are I was gonna use the use the word broken, but no one's broken. A lot of people are hurting very seriously. And by picking up the phone or texting someone and just saying, I had this call the other day with someone, someone I I call a friend, but we, we hadn't spent a lot of time. And I heard he was in need. And I'm not saying I'm a guru or anything like that. I'm, I'm a very ordinary human being. I'm a work in progress. But someone said, you know, he 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 believes in you and he's he's hurting. So I actually said, you know, let's get his phone number. And I contacted him, I sent him a text and I said, let's talk. He replied and I, you know, we just talked. And then yesterday I sent him another text, which is I'm just checking in. And And all I'm saying is we might save someone's life with that one call right now. Uh, I was hurting very bad. I've been, I've gone through a lot of dark nights of the soul. Times where I was on my knees. You know, they say, sometimes when you're on your knees, you're closest to God. And I remember when I was going through, it was a divorce many years ago. And I was very, you know, very, I was hurting a lot. And a mentor at the time said to me, he, he he said, this too shall pass. And this too shall, four words got me through it. I like, if I said to you, this too shall pass, it might not land on you. But those four words, you know, were my salvation. And so your work but it's for all of us. And, and you don't have to have a platform and be an influencer. You know, you could be a street sweeper. But, you know, you're one of those people, everyone else is in isolation and you're sweeping the street. Or let's let's talk about the healthcare workers who are literally putting their lives at stake. And that's why on my Instagram for weeks before like lockdowns, I was going, stay at home, self-isolate. You know, if you look at the science, this is... It's a very contagious virus. So it's not only staying at home for you and your family. You're stay at home for the respect of your citizens and your community. And think about those healthcare, you know, like we're seeing images of people at parties, coronavirus parties. So so all I'm saying is you look at those healthcare workers, they're putting their lives on the line every day. Now, this is a time where we can all do our part like they are. They sure are. But we can all do our part to make the world a better place. And one act 
one act right now could save someone's life. Yeah. I must tell you that uh, one of my friends were a monk for 17 years. And yeah, and then he he came came home to Sweden. And uh, when he had his wedding some years ago, in his wedding ring, uh, they texted, uh, these two shall pass. Wow. Björn Nattiko Lindeblad. That's that's where we're deep. So when I heard that, I was I was also very inspired that in in that moment that you you give your life to each other and they wrote this two shall pass in the wedding ring. That's um, yeah, incredible. Well, that brings up the point: the fleetingness of life. I, like from what I understand about your friend, maybe I, I mean, tell me what you think, but. To me, that's even this love and even this life together is, you know, I heard Wayne Dyer say this years ago, a parenthesis in eternity. And I think that perspective will serve us well right now. Like our lives, whether whether we're going to live another 50 lives or another five hours. You know, connecting to your mortality is not a source of depression. It's a source of inspiration. Because then we live, even if even if I have three hours left, I'll live it all in. And I think that's one of the things we're going to take away from. Although, you know, human beings, let's as always be honest, human beings forget very easily. But, you know, a lot of people do transform when they're faced with death. So I don't know what you think about this too shall pass. To me, it just means everything passes. Yeah, that's right. And also to remind yourself that yeah, you can live eight years, you can live nine years, but it also can be only one month left. Or And also live the life right now instead of waiting. When I have this car, when I have this, when I have done this, I can be happy. So try to be happy right now and, and do what you want. Let, let me ask you a question, if I may. Yeah, yeah. Are you scared? Are you scared of death? Uh, yes. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm working on it, <laughs> but uh, right now I'm scared. Yes, not not the corona, but like um, uh, cancer and, and stuff like that. And uh, when you get, I mean, I'm not so old. I'm 35, but I also I see some friends who who had cancer, and I I. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. I can say it like that. Yeah, but yeah, I'm scared. And also when I get my 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 boy for one and a half year ago, I feel I see it on the other side. I see that okay, now I have jumped up a step in the generation. Uh so the question is and the answer is yes. Yeah, it's very honest and very brave. I think I think that's another opportunity for us as well in our in our quiet time, because wouldn't that be a great thing to work on fearlessness around death? Because uh, <clears throat> I think I think a lot of the the fears we have as we go through life, fear of loss, fear of disease, fear of losing everything, fear of not fitting in. I think below all of that, almost every human being, that all that those fears are being fed by the fundamental human fear of, of death. But here's how I look at death. 
and I, I've never shared this in an interview, but for whatever reason, you know, I feel safe enough to share it with you. Thank you very much, Robin. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what it is, and I thank you. But um, if it, when we die, I believe we go to an even better place. So it's like, hey, would you like to stay at an okay hotel, or would you like to stay at an amazing hotel? And this, you know, this planet and this life is, it's a good hotel. You know, it's, there's a lot of blessings and beauty. I'm a huge fan of that, obviously, through my work. But if someone said, would you like to go to an even better hotel? With an even, with a 100x experience that's that much better? What are you going to say? And so for me, I'm not saying I'm, I have my other fears like every human being does. But I, I, if I was to die tomorrow, I'm good. I've, I've had a, I've had a, I've had times at the top of the mountain, times in the valley that have actually been the ones that have really shaped me. And uh, I'm, I'm good. I'm good with my life. And it's been a great ride. And I think, you know, I would encourage everyone to, through prayer, meditation, reading a lot of the Stoic literature, a lot of the holy books, acts of service, all the tactics that that I teach. That work actually gets you to a place where death is just another chapter of it's just another experience. Thanks for sharing. Thanks for sharing. Thanks for being open to hearing. And uh thanks for visiting the podcast it has been been an, a, a big honor to have you here and i recommend everybody who are listening or or view this one that um get his book the 5am club it's a really good book can learn you very much and also it is um it's a really good book you learn very much and it is so well written and i can ask you a, a, a last question why do you think this book has gone um so viral in the world and uh, has done so big moment i would say I, i wrote it with great love and people are feeling the love and you know i'm not new to the field i'm going into a, a quarter of a century helping people express their genius and, and live their truth and become great leaders and achieve amazing things and be super productive and live beautiful lives. And there's not only philosophy in the book, there's tactics, there's neuroscience, there's wisdom, there's depth. There's, I mean, the book works. If the book, if the book didn't work, it, it wouldn't be selling like it is. So It, it's a book that actually causes transformations. You know, you could look at my, I know you follow me on Instagram. You probably see it's the, 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 what it's doing for people. So it, it just, it really, really works for people. And the method is, has worked for me and it's worked for so many of my clients. It's, it's a very, it's a method that just, it, it just works. Yeah. And if you want to learn more, you can visit robinsharma.com. Yeah. The mothership is robinsharma.com. Uh, so anyone who's you have so many followers, they can, you know, get onto my mailing list. And I through this through this time of crisis, I'm, I'm sending videos, I'm sending message of uh, hope and tactics, and so they can get all of that. I do um, a lot on YouTube, so I think I have 150 videos on YouTube. Um, it's it's all content, and and 
you know, I did one recently, how to get through hard times. It's very much about leadership, yeah. productivity, uh, mindset, heartset, health set. And, and I'm on Instagram. Uh, and I, and I try to post really valuable content every once a day, not too much. Um, so those are some of the ways that people can stay connected if they resonate with what I've shared. Okay. Thank you very much for visiting Robin Sharma. Thanks. Thanks. Re- really enjoyed it, Alexander. Keep up your amazing work and stay healthy. Thanks. Fram Gang Spotting with Alexander Perleros. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.